This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wongal people and the Yagara Turrbal peoples. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Strap in. Buckle up. It's story time, folks. This is Australiana Rama. Morning. This episode has a bunch of swear words in it. And fake tan, glitter, sequins, hairspray. <laughs> um, shall we just do dive it? into, yeah, let's sashay. Oh, we, we said that we would do one about the Min Min lights this week. We're pu- we've pushed that back. Oh, did I say that? Fuck. Did. Mm. I did. I have no recollection of anything at the moment. That's okay. Literally until you said that right now, I was like, nothing. Well, do you remember the film Strictly Ballroom? Yeah, I watched that within the last 48 hours, so I remember that. That's okay. Uh, Great. Um, Yeah, so we will do one about Min later on. This one is about... A classic Australian film. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm in the middle of tech week. I'm in surface paradise where time and space exist independently of everywhere else. <laughs> My producer yesterday was like, I was at a bus stop mm. on the way here and I saw a man just empty an entire carton of milk on his head. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm dealing with, people. <laughs> Glorious that's, Gold Coast. That's what's occupying my mind. <laughs> uh, okay, so, yeah, we're going to talk about Strictly Ballroom, mm-hmm. Baz Luhrmann's 1992 masterpiece, Absolute. if I do say so myself. Yeah. Um, Piece of resistance. <laughs> <laughs> I was also born in 1992, much like the film, so. Yeah, well. Yeah. I guess it's, it's interesting to look at what was what adults were doing at the time of my birth, you know? Well, Going to watch Strictly yeah. Ballroom, like look at it. Yeah, that's a it explains a lot of your aura now. <laughs> that's what you were like, entering. <laughs> I love it. I love this movie. Shall I find a synopsis? Yeah. I've got one. Or do you have one there? Great. Maddie, tell us. Oh fuck. No, I don't. Where did it go? There was a really short one on iView, which actually answered a question that I had about it. Namely, how old are they meant to be? All right. Well, if you want to watch Strictly Ballroom in Australia, it is on iView at the moment. So knock yourself out. Um, And the little logline there says, when 21-year-old ballroom champion Scott Hastings commits the cardinal sin of dancing his own steps and not those of the all-powerful dance federation, the retribution is swift. That's all it says. That's a bold logline. Mm. They've missed some things, um, but he's yeah. meant to be 21. Yeah, it's not as camp as the film is. It's very like... <laughs> no, no, it doesn't give <laughs> the clues. Okay. Loglines are bloody hard. Mm. Talk I'm about your trying. film in one sentence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's about ballroom dancing. Yeah. It's about ballroom dancing. It's about love, your love for yourself and your true passions, but also a love for another person. It's mm. about Australia in that time 
and and maybe still now. <laughs> um, and it's about just general campness. Mm, I like, think really it's a, it's not set in 1992. Like visually, it's it's the 80s. Yeah, but also like I think maybe that world is a bit like the dance world, the competitive dance world now. <laughs> feels like 10 years ago like you'll watch a hip-hop routine at an estedford and it's like shorty get low 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 it's like wow that came out like 15 years ago so i think that maybe mm. you know the ballroom dance world could be the same um, like, if people don't know what an estedford is oh, we'll probably yeah. do an episode about that one day estedford's in australia it's performing arts competition they're popular in country towns estedford is a welsh word yeah. That's all I have to say. And because I grew up on the Sunshine Coast, that's like the Estedford Bible Belt. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I love the Estedford. Like a whole thing. Mm. Okay. So in Strictly Ballroom, mm-hmm. basically Scott is, you know, big deal ballroom dancer, mm. you know, in his dance school. He's competitive. He wants to dance his own steps, wants to dance non-federation steps in the competitions, in the specifically in the Pan Pacific Grand Prix. And then the other lead is Sweet Fran, who is a mm. beginner dancer, but also makes up her own steps. And she wants to dance with Scott. And there's a whole cast of colourful characters. Oh, quite um, a few. Yeah, and it's all like leading up to the Pan Pacific Grand Prix. Yeah. And the, the, the tension lies within the fact that you are not allowed to dance steps that are not approved. It is like automatic disqual. It's a huge deal. Mm. But there's kind of this like even from the very get-go, there's kind of this tension where it's bubbling away where it's like, but maybe the audience wants them. Like maybe there's a little bit of mm. like taste for like the forbidden steps. And so, yeah, there's a battle against like give the people what they want versus – you know, following the rules. Mm. Mm. Some may say it's an allegory for many things in Baz Luhrmann's real life. But <laughs> mm. Some may say it's not even an allegory. Like it literally no, just it is actually. his mum was a ballroom dance teacher. Yeah. He did ballroom dancing as a kid. Like it's, there's yes. not, I don't think there's too much metaphor. I no, think he's, he's writing from his out. life. Yeah. Especially because so it is something that he wrote as like a young man. Yes. You know, at uni and things. So it yes. is from his own experience. So Baz Luhrmann is the director, we should mention, mm-hmm. by the way, um, <laughs> known for films such as Strictly Ballroom, Romeo and Juliet, Great Gatsby, Moulin Rouge, We Won't Talk About Australia, gross, um, and also Elvis films coming out soon, which has been, mm. which has just been filmed where I am sitting right now on the Gold in- Coast. <laughs> Not um, in the particular hotel room that Maddie is in. You don't know. You don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. (laughs) They're down the road doing pickups actually at the moment. Mm. But anyway, Um, so, yeah, Baz was was at NIDA, the uh, National Institute of Dramatic Arts, Mm. which is in Sydney. I call it NIDA. NIDA. They don't like it. (laughs) No, they wouldn't. (laughs) Which is why I will now start calling it that. Mm. They are the big dogs of um, acting school. Yeah, it's the most high-profile one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's VCA in Melbourne and QUT 
Brisbane, but like neither and Whopper is and Whopper in WA. Thank you. Yes, and but Nida is mm. yeah the the most well known one. Mm. And so he was faffing about there. Um, did some auditions in the room where they made the show actually earlier this year. It's still mm. there, um, and it still feels like that time. Feel, <laughs> it feels like the nineties actually. That particular room, the aircon wasn't working, and I was very sweaty <laughs> auditioning a bunch of children for a show. What a beautiful uh, picture you've yeah, painted. Go I on. was really living Baz Luhrmann's mm. best life, um, and him and his mates made a play mm. called. Strictly Ballroom, um, and they performed it in the 80s, in 1984, which is also probably why it is a bit of a time warp, Jess, because it was mm. actually made in the 80s. Yeah. And then it, like, it, they did it again. It happened, like, overseas in a Czechoslovakia yeah, youth drama festival. Mm. Um, and then they had a season at Sydney's Wharf Theatre. Do you know where else they had a trial season? In the year 1988? Where, Jess? At Bloody Expo. Ah. Oh. During that year, they went up and did it at Expo. God bless. Mm. God bless. <laughs> it would really fit in. Oh, yeah. It would really fit in. Mm. I'm not surprised. Yeah, because uh, do you know if they did it at QPAC? Because that's when that opened. I don't know specifically, but it could have been. Someone at QPAC would know. Some other mm. people who were there when it opened are still there. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And, yeah, so basically, yeah, at the Sydney season mm. in 88, the actual professional season, um, a bloke called Ted Albert came along. Um, he loved it, as did his wife, Antoinette, and he basically set up a film production company and offered Lerman, you know, the opportunity to make the film. Mm. And Lerman was like, yes, but only if I get to direct it. Fair enough. It's his baby. Mm. Fair enough, but also like bold, bold. Yeah, mm. for a young Baz, like that. That's doesn't or that often doesn't happen. Um, mm. So yeah, and it paid off, evidently. It so did. the yeah, the film was massively successful financially. I think it's the seven most most financially successful film from Australia um, and internationally too. So it had a it had a decent box office in the US um, and other places as well, which is great because of the new cinema here, you know, like we know about mm. it, but it doesn't yeah. break out of the Australian community. And because um, it did really well at like Cannes. Yes. Yeah, they premiered right. there, which would make a big difference. Um, and they, I think their budget was about $1 million dollars which mm. is small. Not much at all. Yeah. It's small. That's not much to play with. So, yeah, mm. Baz Luhrmann's career pretty much kicked off from there as far as film and film goes. So big deal, formative years, good times. Yeah. And, yeah. like, if you look at this and then if you look at, like, his other films, it was particularly, like, you know, the camp ones. Yeah, Moulin Rouge, Juliet, Moulin Rouge. Yeah. And then you look at this, like you can kind of see the evolution of Yeah. Like the real through line of the the things that he's doing. He really loves like a like a beautiful lens flare mm-hmm. of a sequin. Mm-hmm. It's like very magical. It's in all like the ballroom dance scenes. It's like magically lit. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's Stunning. very high contrast. 
Um, yes. Yeah, and it is part of the Red Curtain trilogy, which mm. is this film, Romeo and Juliet, and Moulin Rouge. So they are a package deal, which you can mm. really see <laughs> in the three <laughs> Yeah, Moulin Rouge and Strictly Ballroom especially, you're like, oh, yes, I can see how one led to the other. Yeah, well, they've got multiple cast members that are in both. Yeah, yes, Mm. correct. So let's jump into the film itself, I think. Let's do it. It was fun to rewatch this. I hadn't watched it in a little while. Um, Yeah, the titles, (laughs) like let's just Mm. start straight at the beginning. The titles look like something out of like the 30s or the 50s, not Mm. the 90s. I was like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Which I mean ballroom is, so it kind of makes sense. Mm. And then it starts, like the first image is this just silhouette of Scott. Mm. And it's just like, boom, theatre. Yeah, (laughs) it is very very theatrical. theatrical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my first thought, like literally mm. 20 seconds in before she even appears on screen, I was like, wow, I wonder if Sonia Kruger, while filming this, knew that one day she'd end up hosting Big Brother Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, re-watching this recently, because I, I never really understood who Sonia Kruger was. Like, I was like, she hosts Dancing with the Stars. I was like, is it just because she's tall and pretty? Like, mm. I didn't know who that I was like, oh, no, she's a ballroom she's, dancer. She is Tina Sparkles. Tina Sparkles. And she was like a ballroom advisor as well. Like, she's an yeah. actual dancer. Yeah, she is. Yeah. My she first. Comes in later in the movie, mm. but it was my first thought. <laughs> my first three notes that I wrote down are perfect film. And then I wrote mad hair feathers. And then I wrote Australian yelling. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, yeah, it starts yeah. off, you know, it's dance thing it could be anywhere and then it's like quite close in of Shirley like yelling yeah. in support at you know the it's a ballroom competition it's like the Waratah championships or something so it's yep. like okay great we put it in a place yeah yeah quickly. totally and that happens a lot like there's lots there's lots of moments throughout the film where it's like beautiful ballroom dancing or like competitive ballroom dancing and it's undercut with like yeah Scott yeah go yeah yeah <laughs> and you're just like fuck well I I know where we are now Mm. (laughs) like there is no mistaking you know if this imagine being in America and maybe Mm. never having seen an Australian film before (laughs) like because it's 80 it's it's what is it like 92 this 92 so you know there's lots of people who wouldn't have heard a real Australian accent before in America and then like seeing (laughs) that would have just been like what Mm. well (laughs) because Priscilla happens after this and yeah. like Muriel's wedding is either this year or it's also 1994 with Priscilla. Like Which also, I don't think had as much of an international following as this film No, did. but like some people did see it. It's like, yeah, it's like and if you think about. And Dundee is later, so. Isn't that in the 80s? Oh, no, yeah. Crocodile Dundee is earlier. Okay, so Crocodile Dundee has happened. Mm, but Priscilla hasn't. This so this happens. kind of like flashy. <laughs> Yeah, it's wild. Imagine Crocodile Dundee being your only reference of Australian cinema mm. and then being like, wow, okay, let's go watch this other Australian film. That'll be similar. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing this gay dream, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which I'm allowed to say. Mm. <laughs> I mean, is Bill Hunter in Crocodile Dundee? Is, or is that one of the oh, only Australian films he's not in? Probably. 
Mm. Like even if he's even if he is not, his general energy is. So he's in fine. he's in Muriel's, he's in Priscilla, he's in this, he's in everything. We could fact check, but I like to keep we'll it find as mystery. Out. Well, yeah, until he passed away, Bill Hunter. Like I feel like if you were gonna make an Australian film, you had to at least ask him mm. if he was available, see if he wanted to be in it. Yeah. Because he much. was in all of them. Um <clears throat> now it's like Sam Neill, anyway. Yeah, true. But in like the opening kind of scene it's like they do it like a mockumentary yeah like just for that first scene I know they don't go back to it Mm. well because because like and the things that they're talking about is when he's dancing his own steps in the Waratah championship it's like the that happens yeah and then they leave that and you forget about it completely and the action continues it's just wild to set up such a bold convention of a mockumentary direct to camera you know, and it and and it is like this is before mockumentaries were popular mm. as well. So this is actually like a fairly new convention. It's something that I can see happening on a stage play and happens all the time on stage plays. And then, you know, just abandoning that convention for the rest of the film. And I only didn't I realized like two thirds of the way through. I was like, hang on now. Mm. <laughs> we haven't come back to this whole like setup thing that's happened. Yeah. I mean, occasionally they have like I, I would say newspaper articles flash up, but they're newsletters. It's like the yeah. Ballroom Dance newsletter. That's not a newspaper. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's kind of yeah. They don't come back to. It. And you, I feel like you don't, you don't miss it. Like it just kind of. It's the kind of thing where it's like, if I submitted a script to my script editor now with that in it, they would be like, "Why aren't you coming back to it? Why are you setting up this convention?" And yet. In this instance, I don't hate it. I'm not annoyed that it doesn't come back. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Move no, on. I think it, it works beautifully. Because <laughs> well, yeah. there's so many other things happening that are also like, I guess, like magical realism or just like not quite. Yeah. Like this is not like a purely naturalistic film. Like they can kind of do no, what they want. Yeah, but I think there was something magical about this time period in which the film was made where these notions of magical realism and breaking down the constructions of realism to do, you know, theatrical things was still relatively new that you were able to just be bold and do it. Whereas now that we've done it for 30 years, we have this like framework around it and we're putting magical realism in a box. So like the amount of times mm. that like I try and do something a bit cheeky in a script and some people are like, oh, man, I love that. That was amazing. And other people are like, yes, but why are they breaking into, you know, a monologue direct to the blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, my because God. Because they can. Because yeah. it's funny. And that's not saying you can't justify mm. your decisions, but it's just this specific film and this specific era Mm. with Baz Luhrmann specifically, is a magical time period where all the stars aligned and they were like, go on, have this opportunity to do what you want. And he did and it worked. Mm. It's beautiful. Yeah. We're jumping um, ahead. But... Yeah. Well, in because <laughs> the first scene is like, you know, it's the first, there's the mockumentary bizzo about, you know, him dancing his own steps at the Waratah Championships, blah, blah, blah. And then they're back in the like the dance studio. It's dance classes. Scott and Liz having a fight, like because Liz did not want to dance Scott's steps. No, Um, Liz is um, Gia Gia Caridis or Caridis. I'm never never sure. She's in my big fat Greek wedding. Don't ask me. I was saying Paul Mercutio for years. (laughs) Okay, well she's an icon, Um, and I think she's doing her own dancing. I feel like they generally are because they couldn't afford doubles. Um, It would have been 
pretty much everyone. Um, mm, they they interviewed is... them later, actually, and like that's pretty much confirmed. Mm. Yeah, because she's great. Um, and in this scene in the dance studio, I, I did a bit of a tally of a couple of things because she's like, you know, yelling at um at Scott being like, I don't give a shit. And she says, piss off to him twice. Yeah. I, I tallied that. I was like, okay, so we're, you know, setting up her character. And Fran is either knocked over or run into four times. Yes. Yeah, so it's in like two times. minutes, like two or three minutes, like in quite so a short scene. Times. And that's how um, her character is introduced, except for like Shirley, Scott's mum dance teacher being like, oh, poor Fran, you, have you run out of that apricot scrub I gave you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which is she's, such a product of the time as well. Yeah, because oh. she's having some skin issues. Yeah. Um, but they're meant to be like 21, like Scott and Fran, while played by much older actors, are uh, meant yeah. to be 21. You would have skin could... issues at 21 yeah. if you ballroom dancing every day in that sweaty exactly. hall. Which is just like, oh, that's why they're living at home. And I like there's so many things like Federation President Barry Fife is often referred to as such mm-hmm. in that whole sentence. Mm-hmm. And one thing I there's a couple of things that I've that I've written down the word bogo pogo comes up a lot it's a dance step no it's Um, not (laughs) well in this it's a dance step the bodafogo is a dance Mm. step Mm. but old mate keeps saying it wrong which is very funny Um. Mm. (laughs) trying to take on the bogo pogo yeah um yeah, that makes me laugh a lot. But I, I love that he says it wrong, but no one ever corrects him in the film. It's just that classic, mm. like, Australian boganism thing where everyone just accepts that that's how you say it because no one else has heard it correctly either. So, mm. so it's just Yeah, like and it's like at some point they've all just yeah. started saying it that way. Yeah. Um, and so, like, Shirley is Scott's mum, a lot of 80s makeup, which often we see her apply, which mm-hmm. is quite fun, and – Doug is his dad, the beautiful Barry Otto. Uh, He's quite, you know, downtrodden yeah. a lot and we'll come back to him. Yeah, we really will. But there's a there's one I just <laughs> quickly in when Scott and Liz are having their big fight, her fringe mm. is like, you know, straight up to oh, yeah. to the skies all the time. I love her. Um, and he's like, what do you want? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I want Ken to come in and say, Pam Short's broken both her legs and I want to dance with you. And then the doors open, Blondie comes in and he literally says those exact words, (laughs) Pam Short's broken both her legs and I want to dance with you. And like, I think that is so funny. It's perfect. Mm, See, that's the kind of cheeky thing that, you know, it's just delightful to watch because <laughs> you're like, I know exactly what the writer is doing and I'm so happy that I'm here to witness it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and so Scott wants to dance his own steps um, and yeah. it is Paul Mercurio who was like 28, 29 and by then had been like principal dancer at Sydney Dance Company for 10 years already. Yeah. Um, so and he's like a ballet doll. contemporary boy. Stunning. Um, and he's been in other stuff. I always think he's in Priscilla, but that's Guy Pierce. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. But similar hair in it. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a local councillor in Melbourne as of last year. He went for uh-huh. like Mornington Peninsula Council. He seems lovely. Anyway. Yeah. So he's gorgeous in this. And he wants to do his own steps. And like Dad is shy but very proud. Mm-hmm. You can tell. It's very cute. 
Um, but now he hasn't got a partner, so he needs a partner. No. Enter. So there's a enter Fran after enter Fran. an amazing like flash dance sequence where there's like a because in the middle of the dance studio there's there is a spotlight just on. Oh yeah, like Why all not? the time. Sure. And so there's there's mirrors. He does his like contemporary dance thing, and then yeah, Fran comes in. I love that she comes. She comes in, but she's bloody bold. Like she's like, I want to mm. dance with you. I like the new moves. I have my own moves. I know that I'm not an experienced dancer in your eyes, but I want to dance with you. I just love that it's like, boom, straight up. Fran knows what she wants. She says mm. it. She also tells him that he's been overdoing it. Yeah. She gives him She's critical like, feedback. Yeah, it's great. And he's, you know, a snob. He's but- so rude to her and this whole mm. thing happens and then it doesn't quite work out and she drops the amazing line, you're a gutless wonder. Mm, I did a little tally of this as well because she says you're gutless, you're a gutless wonder, and then something yeah. completely unintelligible. Yeah. I don't know what she says after <laughs> gutless wonder because I'm like, ah! It's meant um, to be Spanish. Is it? Yeah. I thought she was just yelling. It's meant to be Spanish. Okay, because she does Because it's her Spanish later. like, yeah. But mm. I think I was still so stuck on Gutless Wonder yeah, that whatever she said would have been meaningless, even in English. And um, they used Time After Time, that song. And yes. I was like, man, APRA rights were cheaper then or they just didn't exist. Mm. Like a million-dollar well, budget film would not be able to It's also not Cindy Cooper. No, like no, she, she covers it. It's Tara, yeah. Yeah, but they would not be able to get that now. <laughs> No. Like half the songs they use, I was like, wow, yeah, for a million-dollar film, like, man, this time period really just was a gold mine, wasn't it? Yeah, because <laughs> I found this as well because Ted Albert, the the oh. man who, like, funded it really, he had, like, music rights. He had the, like, a whatever it is, publishing or distribution. Like, mm. so I think he was really, like, I guess instrumental in getting the instrumentals. Mm. Um yeah, but later on she does say she calls him a gutless wonder again. So we get three uses of the word gutless in the one film, which I really like. But yeah, Fran becomes powerful in the even just in this scene. Like it's not like you know she is like shy, but she does come in swinging and she's like yeah, and she walks away from him in a very like nah stuff this. Yeah, she gets frustrated and it's just like you know it's a step I've been working on at home. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So they have their first kind of dance thing and even like from the get-go it's just like Fran's great yeah. we love Fran he's he's an idiot oh throughout this like Scott has a little sister mm. who also has like a little dance partner <clears throat> and I love it so much because it's the two little kids that are just kind of around and they've always got like little sassy things to say they're great because they get to keep the audience on side Mm. Like they they often undercut the bullshitness of the Federation with like, oh, let's just, you know, like so they, they get to kind of say what the audience says so that we're able to be let into the potential change that will happen later in the film. Mm. Like it's actually I, quite clever. And because when they're doing like the like dance tryouts because like Scott Neaton's a new partner, like little sister has all these like great little lines like, you know, someone does dance, 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 and she's not having it at all. And she, one that I wrote down specifically, she's like a bit of musicality, please, which is obviously something 
that she's heard and is saying. Oh, yeah. Because, like, she's, like, 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they speak with very adult language mm. um, throughout, which is very funny. Yeah. And they're in, like, full ballroom outfits. So, yeah, after this whole debacle, we then, like, we see we get – we as the audience are ahead of Scott because mm. we know that Dad – actually has got a little bit of secret dancing in him and we yes, do see a few moments see, where he yeah. does some secret dancing and he does a lot of like freestyle non-federation moves and it's Amazing just like moves. by himself not allowed his wife is so mean to him so mean she's so dark. i was like this is almost an abusive relationship mm. um and he's dancing alone yeah. under the spotlight or up on the roof with the coke sign, the hills hoist. Yeah. That's where they do that time after time thing. And then he's dancing. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Barry Otto was a wonderful dancer. Oh, beautiful. And he's then this lanky man. And then they like, they scheme to get Scott and Tina Sparkle together. Mm. So the Federation with the mum, with the like the guy who runs the dance studio, they all kind of do this scheme. And in that time, like Fran and Scott actually have, you know, started dancing together again. Mm. And like they've repaired things and they're kind of secretly training. And there's a series of auditions and like he's trying and he kind of blows off all of the ladies that they put forward for him to dance with because he wants to dance with Fran. But they're mm. scheming to get Tina Sparkle. Yes, a whole because um, Tina Sparkle's partner, Nathan Starkey, who is played by like Todd McKenney, like uncredited, like baby music theatre Todd. And there's at one point the announcer says, you know, Nathan Starkey, who's retiring because of his commitments to his landscape gardening business. Like, and mm. that also made me laugh a lot. <laughs> Has to retire from competitive dance because of that. Yeah, so they're at another, it's like States. There's yeah. quite a few dance competitions here. There's quite a few and a few different partners that they go through. Like You can mm. see how if you weren't really paying attention, you could get a bit confused. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and so Scott's meant to dance with Fran, but then they're all, you know, congratulating him and he thinks it's Fran, but they talk about Tina Sparkles and then Fran is sad. She runs yeah. off, but he chases after her and they do a dance to like Doris Day, perhaps, yes. perhaps, perhaps, which I it's love. It's amazing. And they do it like backstage Mm. and then people see them and they're like, oh, my God. Um, Mm. It's great. Yeah. And then like the whole confrontation happens where like, yeah, there's a confrontation in the kitchen with a mysterious like meat slash animal product that's flung between the men like talking about what's going on and then like Scott's got to go get Fran and it's a whole thing and then Fife Mm. hits up Wayne which is Scott's best friend to like Mm. scheme some kind of yes Wayne Wayne's the bogo pogo redhead and his like fiance dance partner also redhead amazing yeah the ginger dynamite full mullet and then like all of this leads up to Fran at home and Scott with her and she's like okay well you know like we're home now um and her it's a, is it her dad it is her dad cuz yeah. i've i've looked up this man um because he's amazing so it's like fran is like francesca she's spanish tara maurice is not spanish but her no. family is in the film um 
and you know they're very protective and that's why I was like how yes. old is she but I'm like no no she's like 2021 20, yeah um yeah so you know he tries to throw Scott out grandma's watching through the window she loves drama um but you know then Scott is I guess eventually welcomed in and they you know they they dance they dance and and he has dad- an excellent outfit reveal too like Papa Fran Yes. Takes off his jacket and underneath he's like, boom, mm. like ready to pass a doble. It's immaculate, like high-waist dance pants with, you know, the yep. appropriate vest that's quite high, like flowy sleeves. There's a jacket which he's taken off. He's wearing like flamenco shoes yep. because this man, Antonio Vargas, is like, he's wearing his own clothes. I looked, this this is a bit of trivia that I've found in multiple places on the internet. Mm. And they are, he's a petite little fellow. And they're beautifully tailored. So I'm like, yeah, he probably is wearing his own clothes. He's also one of the leading flamenco dancers and choreographers in the world. Like he's the he's the real deal. Yeah, by it. So it's like, yeah, of course, those are his pants. He's powerful. I'm like, how do they get this really cool man? But it is a cool role. So I can see why he might want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But they they dance off and like dad is truly superior but it's a Mm. dance off in a like come here son I'm going to teach you some things and it's very homoerotic too I was like oh "Oh, yeah they've got a lot of chemistry yeah yeah I was like Paul is uh (laughs) well Scott Scott is falling for Fran's dad (laughs) Mm. (laughs) and like how could you not in that moment you know yeah and like grandma's teaching Scott rhythm and stuff like like, like, copping a feel and like calling him hot stuff in Spanish um she's very funny yeah. yeah, and they've got all their friends over and one of them, you know, they go and get Dad's sparkly, like, you know, matador jacket. It's, it's great. Yeah, and all of this happens and then it's cut like a train, <laughs> like mm. a train passes and it's like, oh, yeah, we're back in the burbs. Um, mm. Yeah, and they're doing more training, more homoerotic dancing. It's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Lex Scott is learning, yeah, more about rhythm from a culture that is probably, you know, more equipped to teach him that than um, – yeah. <laughs> and that all like Sydney. Uh, well, that's all happening. There is also there's a shot of Doug, like the dad, who's normally we've seen him doing his like happy, you know, fun, contemporary making up his own stuff. There's this where he's like kind of just like doing a waltz, like alone with like proper posture, just like under the spotlight and just crying. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's a whole thing. It's like it makes me feel some feelings. It's just like someone dance with this man. Yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, well, Scott and Fran, you know, there's been like, oh, it's the the rumbas, the dance of love, but it's not real, and then it is real. And, like, they smooch and they're near the, um, the old, like, White Bay Power Station, um, which is, like, used in every movie. Yeah, so basically this all happens and then we find out that um, – yeah, dad actually was a competitor. So there's this whole like flashback sequence. It's very theatrical. It's literally like in a theater, we're doing, we're acting it out. Like it's all performed. Like dad, it was apparently people. because of like budget constraints. They had to do it a bit more yeah. cartoony. Yeah. Not surprised at all. Um, and we find out that, yeah, he actually was a dancer. Surprise, surprise. And he started dancing his own steps. And so, which were not always strictly ballroom, which is no. a worst line that is said by Bill Hunter. They do I love say it. that. And then so, 
yeah, that basically him and his wife weren't able to compete at the yeah it the was Pan a whole thing. Mm. So that it's that a, is yeah. why the wife is resentful, and that is they use this to emotionally blackmail Scott into mm. partnering up with Tina Sparkle and doing the proper steps. And he abandons Fran, and this whole thing happens where like there's this transition where it's like twirling and like spinning like like Scott has this like emotional like oh my god everything's bad and he finds some photos and we spin out of that transition mm. the camera spins and it just cuts into him spinning with Tina Sparkle at the final so we literally jump ahead and we fill in the gaps and we go okay yep he's made the decision to dance with yeah. Tina We're and at this Fran big competition has just been completely like discarded to dance mm. in the junior division the lower division with just a mate. That's Poor like, Fran. You know. I think her mate's friend's name is Natalie. Um, but the this is like a big ballroom dance competition and they, they, they shot it, I don't know, in like not very long in in the breaks between an actual ballroom dance competition. Mm. Which is That's very cool. Cool. Makes sense. Um, ultimately, you know, what, you know what's going to happen. And it happens and it's really satisfying. He dances with Fran, but there's this whole big thing where they're cutting the music and it's very uh, dramatic. Shenanigans, and shenanigans, last They get there hurdles. just in time and his yep. dad starts just clapping and he's got a good strong clap uh, yeah. it's silent Resonant. and then you can hear and you know and they do the Paso Doble and everyone dances together and like Doug dances with Shirley eventually and it's yep. just like everything works out. Except for Barry Fife. Yeah, he um, does not work out. And the little sister says, Shame on you, Miss Leachman. And then, which is Charm Leachman is Barry Fife's girlfriend. And I've written the words in capitals, oh my God, Rosehaven. Because have you been watching Rosehaven? No. Okay, on the ABC, it's about real estate agents. But if you have been watching Rosehaven, Barbara, the like brusque real estate mum, is in Strictly Ballroom. It's an extremely glamorous, blonde, tall, scary woman, and I had no idea. It may not be important to Maddie, who hasn't watched it, but for everyone else, <laughs> like, I can't get over it. It's amazing. I had no, Yeah, Chris McQuaid, or McQuaid is, is in this movie. Um, oh, Love is in the Air plays. Everyone dances together. Yeah, like, again, another. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Good <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's important to note the absolute massive legacy that this film has mm. you know like it's it's turned into a reality tv series where people dance for competitions it's constantly referenced in other dance routines it is i, I think you know baz lerman like if you if you were to drop that name in the u.s like yes some people have seen strictly ballroom and it's known but people will think romeo and juliet great Gatsby whereas over here you drop Baz Luhrmann and people fondly are like Strictly Ballroom and then his other films you know like I mm. think it is such a cultural reference that will continue to be so for quite a while and it's also a cinematic reference as well like you know I touched on it earlier but it really did shake up what was considered 
okay <laughs> and allowed mm. to do in cinema. And like, there's lots of Australian cinema tropes in the like, you know, the nostalgiarism and the flashbacks and the high contrast. Like, that is a thing that we see a lot in Australian cinema. But Baz really doubles down on those things, which is probably why it was a successful play. And then he adds in all of these elements of magical realism and theatricality that just meant, you know, you got to blow apart the form of film as well. And I think if this guy, if Ted Albert hadn't had seen the stage play in person himself, he wouldn't have necessarily been like yep you can direct it we trust you you know you make the decisions you want to make like traditionally Mm. a lot of that power is handed over as a first-time filmmaker um or a play is made and literally like completely different people make the film so I think it's just one of those moments of like someone being given the opportunity to do their thing Mm. and it's changed you know it's it's shaped things up like it's a pretty big deal um yeah, and you Huge can deal. say you can say you know Tina Sparkle, <laughs> mm. and people generally know who you're talking about. They're like, oh yeah, Sonia Kruger. You mm. know, like that's a pretty big deal, um, especially for a character that's probably only on screen for like 15 minutes all up in total. Yeah, the National Film and Sound Archive of Australia did a um, 25th anniversary online exhibition, which was really cute a few years ago, and they interviewed a few of the cast members um, and Tara in particular. Like you can see the difference between even Paul and Tara as the cast members as well, Scott and Fran. So Mm. like Paul very much talked about how he really loved like developing the character and that he really identified with Scott being Mm. a rebel with a cause who danced his own steps. And then it was really funny to hear Tara because she was like, I was really protective of Fran as a character because she'd played it in the play. Mm. But she was extremely anxious about performing the dance move. So it's like Mm. even like the actors have some of the similar tropes of the characters and so it's just cast so well as Mm. well that they can kind of play off of that energy and Paul he was he had a really bad um ankle injury Mm. as well around the time of filming so that was a whole thing um yeah which is pretty wild like because yeah pushing through that yeah he's a beautiful dancer it's amazing oh one of the things that I enjoy as like you know because I I live in Sydney now and I'm like where did you where did they make this and like some of the things are still there others aren't like Fran's house was a set that they'd made kind of when an area was being redeveloped and that's like where like the star casino is now kind of in like Piermont um but some of the dance competitions the earlier ones like one of them is in like the Petersham Town Hall which looks pretty much the same now it's really fun and then, like, on top of, like, an LJ Hooker building in Marrickville is where that Coke sign is. And, like, the big competitions, it's, it is it's a sports club or an RSL. Like, it looks like it is and it is. it is. I'm not sure which one, but that's still there. And I'm like, do people still do big ballroom competitions? They might. Maybe. Wild. People still definitely do them. You mean at that venue? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's pretty epic. Um, Mm. Baz Luhrmann recently, well, like in the last 10 years now, described the film as 
a sugary chunk of feel-good fudge as the Mm. little film that could, which I think is Mm. the perfect way to describe it. Yeah. It is. It's a feel-good movie. You walk away being like, oh, everything is resolved. Like I think sometimes, you know, the films that get all the awards are the ones that like twist the knife, (laughs) Mm. which are are very important. Um, But sometimes there is just value in something that is pure joy Mm. and things working out. Um, Like big and colourful and silly but also like – I don't know. I feel because like it is like quite, quite like genuine, and obviously, like it is has been had come from a place of like love, and it took a long time yeah. for it, the film to exist. And it's like I feel like like they love ballroom dancing, but it's also like this is ridiculous. Like, look at this thing that we do. Yeah, yeah. And then when you've got people like Barry Otto doing this, just like really beautiful performance where he doesn't have many lines, but like he does dance, but you just feel for this poor man. Yeah, um, <laughs> just like, oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so good. In short, I love it. Yep. In long, you know, just listen to this episode again. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think that's it. I think so too. Piss off, in the words of Liz. Piss off. <laughs> You're a gutless wonder. It's so good. Follow us on Instagram at Australianorama. Chuck us a little message if you want. Say hello. My sources for today include SBS, the National Film and Sound Archive, and The Guardian, as well as the film itself. Thank you, Baz. Great work. I also looked at IMDb for a little bit of trivia on the cast. 